Salvation is the work of God by His Holy Spirit's power as we respond in faith. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in three different places this morning. The first being Galatians 5, second being John 15, and the third being 1 John 4. So uh, if you don't have your Bibles, get out your, your electronic Bible if you got one of these. We've got a few pew Bibles out there as well. In this series on the Holy Spirit, understanding the Holy Spirit, today I want to talk to you about the evidence of the Holy Spirit. How we can know that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And if you were to ask different believers about this, they would probably give you different answers. We have entire denominations that really emphasize that the Holy Spirit evidence in someone's life is speaking in tongues. We have others who would say, well, no, Kate, any spiritual gift that God gives you, that's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And I would agree with the spiritual gifts that God gives us as evidence but I believe the Bible is clear that the evidence of the Holy Spirit is found in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So whether or not a church actively practices or manifests supernatural spiritual gifts, I think you can tell if a church is a legitimate spirit-filled church by the lives that the people live in the church. Are they more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient than other people who don't know Jesus? The evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the fruit of the Spirit. So today, we're going to take apart the first four of the fruit of the Spirit. Next week, we'll look at the next few parts of the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus says on more than one occasion in the Gospels that a tree is known by its fruit. Look at John chapter 15. In John 15, Jesus gives us an analogy. And he defines that analogy. He says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. The Father is the one who tends to the the vine. Some translations call him the farmer. And Jesus says, I am the vine. Look at verse 4. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So how can you and I be Jesus to the world? How can we have the love of Jesus and show the love of Jesus? How can we have the joy of Jesus and show the joy of Jesus? How can we have the peace and patience of Jesus in our lives and show that 
peace and patience to those around us when Jesus isn't here. <gasps> Pastor, Jesus, I invited him into my heart. You know, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, Jesus says he's there. Yes, he does, but technically speaking, Understanding the Trinity, the Bible tells us where Jesus is right now, and he's not here. He is in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. Therefore, how can we have love, joy, peace, patience in our lives, the spirit of Jesus in our lives, when Jesus is at the right hand of the Father? How? The Holy Spirit. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is... The fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That is what demonstrates to everyone that we are of God. That we know God. This passage, John 15, talks about abiding or remaining in the vine. That if you and I want to have the love of Jesus, if you and I want to have the joy of Jesus, then we have to remain in the Lord you see, it takes two parts. The Lord, when we're born again, when we're saved, as they sang a few minutes ago, the Holy Spirit then takes up residence. He dwells inside of us. Yet the Bible says time and time again to draw near to God, that we have to abide in God, remain in Him, know Him, pursue Him, seek the Lord. As we draw near, we remain in Christ. We receive all that fruit on a daily basis. How can we know, though, that we're abiding in Jesus and that Jesus abides in us? Well, if you have the Bible, turn to 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 13 says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. That's how we can know. Because God has given us his Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, who produces the fruit inside of us. It's his work. Salvation is of God. Sanctification is of God. Absolutely, we must respond by faith, trusting in Jesus to be saved. You can't just sit back passively and watch it happen. You have to trust in the Lord Jesus. But if you want to grow as a Christian, though it's a work of God's grace and God's spirit giving you love, joy, peace, and patience, you and I must pursue God. We must draw near to God. We must abide in the vine. But the fruit of the spirit is love. How is more love produced in our lives? Jesus says in John 15, 9, we just read that. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Then abide in my love. But the next verse says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So it's two parts. You abide in the love of Jesus and you keep his commandments. And as you love others, you will grow in love. And as you remain or abide in God's love, you will understand his love and experience his love. We often call 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter. But I would argue with that, that perhaps 1 John chapter 4 should be called the love chapter. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John 4. Starting in verse 7, I read from verse 13 how we can know that God abides in us and we in him by the spirit that he gives us. But look at verses 7 through 12. 
John says, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. More love will be produced in your life and in my life when we abide in God. More specifically, according to 1 John 4, 7 through 12, we must abide in God because God is love. And then he explains what love really is. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us. How? By sending Jesus to be the wrath bearer, the propitiation for our sins. It's a life that is grounded in the gospel of grace. It's a Christian who knows that he or she, the only good thing about you or me, if we're followers of Jesus, is Jesus in us. Years ago, I got this book. My daughter, who's 14 now, just had a four, eighth grade formal, all grown up. Oh, goodness gracious. Just like her mother, beautiful, kind, dear, sweet. Probably embarrassing her right now. Um, but when she was a baby, I got this book in Louisville, Kentucky from probably some of our church friends in Indiana. And it's called Jesus in Me. And that author doesn't try to understand the mysteries of the Trinity or explain those mysteries to a little toddler. But that book talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's Jesus in me. You see, the gospel is Jesus in us. That's why Paul can say over and over again that if you are in Christ, you're saved. There's no condemnation. If we're in Christ, or if Christ is in us, then we're born again. And that's the greatest news in the world. The gospel, that no matter what you have done, what you have said, what you will do, that God in his grace loves you and me enough that he sent Jesus to take our sins away, that we might have this gospel, this good news in us. That Jesus would say, I'm going to send you someone even greater to do greater things than even I did. And it's the Holy Spirit. God says, I'm going to give you a gift there is no Holy Spirit without the gospel. With no cross and resurrection, the Spirit will not be sent to us. We have the Spirit of God, and we must abide in the gospel. We must not outgrow the gospel. We must not think that somehow we are now beyond. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me, so oh, it's kid stuff, really. Last time I checked, you've got to have faith of a child to get to heaven. We must abide in the gospel every day. When you and I sin, we go to the cross 
and remember what Jesus did for us. When we feel defeated without hope, when we're sick and hurting and struggling, we go to the resurrection and know that Jesus is alive and we have hope and victory. We go to the gospel always and we abide in those truths. But we also grow in love by keeping his commands. It's very clear at the end of 1 John 4, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We grow in our love. How can we become more loving if God never has us be around people who are unlovable? Anybody in this room who is unlovable? I could ask your children or your spouse at times. We're all unlovable Yet God so loved us that we're to love one another. We grow in that love. And I'm spending a lot of time on love because Paul does as well. Paul looks at all the spiritual gifts. You heard a sermon last week about the spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. The unity and the diversity that we have. Yet Paul says, I'll show you a more excellent way. And it's love in the whole chapter, he writes in 1 Corinthians 13 about that wonderful love. By this, Jesus says, all people will know you are my disciples by the gifts you display. No, he says in John 13, 35, they'll know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And this idea of family advocacy ministry emphasis this Sunday flows so beautifully with the fruit of the Spirit. We planned this weeks ago, and we've got several videos to show you. The first video is about a young woman who was in 14 different foster homes. Her name's Jacqueline Hitchcock. She was finally adopted when she was seven. And hear her cry in this video, talk about how much she longed to be loved. You see, that's the longing of the world. The world longs for love, that someone or something could take away the pain in our lives because we all have pain. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, mental, we have pain. We have sin. We have brokenness. We have suffering. What can deal with that? Could it be that our country wouldn't have the opioid crisis that we have if the church of Jesus was the lighthouse that God's called us to be, displaying his love to a love-hungry world, a world that equates love with sex, a world that is hungry for love. You and I are hungry for love. And God fills our hearts with his love. As you watch this video, just see the love that was shown to this young girl and to her sister by parents who said, we will love you. We will embrace you. We will give you what you're looking for because we all need to be loved. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Jesus says in John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus wants our joy to overflow. 
Psalm 4, 7, speaking of the Lord says, Lord, you've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. The most extravagant, expensive, prosperous person cannot have the kind of joy that only God can give. The joy of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. In John 14, Jesus tells his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. It's not the peace the world. The world defines peace as absence of conflict. But the Bible defines peace as the perfect peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We see the peace of God upon Jesus on the cross. There's Jesus being broken and beaten and dying on the cross taking the punishment that we deserve and he is in perfect peace. Oh, it's not just a feeling. No, this sense in which Jesus there on the cross is more concerned about his mother's well-being than his own. And there on the cross, Jesus praying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The mockers, the haters, they know not what they do. Jesus was kept at perfect peace because he fixed his mind upon his Father's will. And we can have that kind of peace. Being anxious in nothing, but everything with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Philippians 4 tells us that the peace of God, the supernatural peace that passes all understanding can be yours and mine. It's possible, but only through the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience. We saved the hardest one for last. 1 Corinthians 13 begins the definition of love this way in verse 4. The Apostle Paul says, love is patient. And he ends that little section of definitions from verses 4 through 8 by saying, love bears all things. That's patient. Love endures all things. That's perseverance or patience. That is the definition of love that Paul makes in the Bible. Peter says in his letter that we are to count the patience of the Lord as our salvation. The psalmist writes, Psalm 86, 15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. How can we have patience for others? Only by the Spirit of God living inside of us. But only by the way of knowing that because God is so merciful and patient and forgiving toward us. How can we not be patient and loving toward others? others. You see, it all comes back to Jesus. Jesus in us, abiding in him, abiding in his love, so that we might have his love, the love of Jesus to live and show, that we might have his joy in our lives, that we might have the peace of Jesus and the patience of Jesus, which only come all by his spirit. They're the fruit of his spirit. You can only get it from the source 
And the source is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Lord, as we come to respond through this three-verse song of a prayer, asking that your love, grace, and light would shine upon us, my prayer as well is that you would prepare our heart after that too for one last video to see how we might get involved in showing your love to families in need. Lord, I pray that you would prick our hearts and move us to action. We want to have the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to use our spiritual gifts, absolutely yes. But we want to have the fruit of the Spirit so evident that people could just see the love of God in us, that the world will not look for love everywhere else but from you, that God, we might be your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, all this fruit, that the world's longing to taste And as the scripture says, as we have tasted and seen that you are good, God, let us be that fruit to the world, the fruit of your spirit. Help us now to respond however you call us to, to this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing this beautiful song. It's a prayer song. If you have a decision to make, I'll be here. If you want to join this church, get saved, get baptized, as Sophie has done. Follow her example. You come. I'll pray with you right now. Let's respond. And then after that, we'll be seated and watch a short video that will call us to action, to serve and love families in need. Let's respond now as God leads us.